As the world heads into uncharted territory, business leaders are seeking perspective. The What Now, What Next podcast series features KPMG advisors addressing the issues that are of most concern now and in the near future. Today, I'd like to introduce Mike Rudolph and Tom Bibby, who have spent some time talking with us about capital, cost, and customers. Mike and Tom, as we begin, would you introduce yourselves to our listeners? Sure, Stacey. This is Mike Rudolph. I am a managing director in our corporate finance practice, and I lead our capital advisory efforts. So very much focused on companies investing capital and talking to the different types of providers throughout. My main function is helping companies raise capital in the investment bank. Tom Biddy. I'm a partner in our Dallas office. I specialize in restructuring and turnaround crisis management type activities. Obviously, these are tumultuous times today, so we're seeing lots of activity, lots of calls. But, you know, we tend to focus on companies that are having some type of distress or going through some type of a crisis. Thank you both for being with us today. I appreciate you making the time. As companies evaluate the impact of COVID-19 on their business, assessing capital structure and cash on hand are good places for them to start. And doing so will help organizations revise both their short and long-term operational plans so that they're better able to navigate disruptions. As we kick off our conversation, I'd like for you to begin by sharing with our listeners what you're seeing in the market. You know, what we're seeing today is theme around cash is king. Almost all of our clients are concerned about cash flow in the current environment, what's happening with cash collections, what's happening with disbursements, what should we be thinking about, what should we be doing, what should we be focused on. As I've seen over the last few weeks, I think the reality is that people are really, really taking this seriously. So most of our activities center around short-term cash flow projecting, and obviously the uncertainty in these times is creating a lot of havoc as to how do you cash flow forecast, not knowing if my customers are going to be able to pay us, if I'm going to have enough cash to make my vendors and payments to my suppliers as well. We're trying to take a conservative approach. We try to tell clients to expect the worst, and hopefully things will be better, but that way at least we know we've got enough liquidity. But everything is, seems to be centered around what we might refer to as a 13-week cash flow, and a 13-week cash flow is basically for a calendar quarter. So it's a receipts, disbursements, liquidity analysis, and it helps track where we think we will be on a weekly basis with our cash to make sure that we've got enough runway to make it through this crisis and to come out on the other end. And to the extent we don't, we then start thinking about levers and different outcomes to pull, whether it's we need to delay paying some of our bills that maybe aren't as critical today or think about what we're doing on the operational side. Every single thing we're doing necessary or there are things maybe we should stop production on and mothball those operations. Those are the types of analyses that come out of just preparing the basic cash flow. So what we're seeing, especially on the M&A and capital raising front, coincidentally enough, within the investment bank, March was our best month of the year and our fiscal year ends September. So we actually had a really good month now. Obviously, how that transcends going forward is a whole different issue. What I've been spending a lot of time on the last couple of weeks is talking to different types of capital providers, and that's everything from banks to credit funds that provide debt loans, but then also um, minority equity and private equity firms. And I guess maybe similar to Townsend experience with respect to cash is king, I think the common ground is liquidity and those funds that are liquid, 
maybe they're not out fundraising, but they actually have a big dedicated fund that's ready to deploy capital. Those are the groups that are almost looking for this. They weren't looking for this type of drastic of disruption, but they frankly were looking for disruption to go out and really deploy that capital and be aggressive and win some market share. Whereas some of the credit funds that we've spoken to that are maybe highly levered or they're subject to the public markets, meaning that they're a public development company or they're really driven by market fluctuations. Those are the groups that they don't have that liquidity on hand, so they're probably going to be a little bit less aggressive looking at new opportunities. But I think the fundamental common theme that a lot of these capital providers are looking at is obviously focused on their portfolio and then figuring out based on their liquidity on how aggressive they can be going out and looking at new deals. As situations continually unfold, we're seeing both immediate and longer-term challenges as a result of COVID-19. I'm curious to know how you're seeing people and organizations respond during this time. There have been a few interesting topics that have come up, and one is, again, on the theme of liquidity. A lot of companies, both middle market and very large billion-dollar companies, they've all been drawing on the revolvers, even if they were unfunded. And the notion there is obviously just liquidity and having that cash on hand. But with respect to some of the, the middle market funds that have done that, they've, they've really kind of gotten in a little bit of a pinch because a lot of their companies aren't overly asset-based driven. So maybe if they have a $200 million credit facility, they'd have about a $20 million revolver that's unfunded. And I heard in one case that maybe about 10% of those revolvers are typically drawn at any given one time. But literally overnight, they went up to about 95%, and they're not really accustomed to funding those revolvers, so they have other banks and warehouse lines. But because of different covenants and liquidity thresholds, some of these credit funds literally had to put in personal money to get back in compliance with some of these restrictions. So I know just across the board, liquidity is important, but it's negatively affecting some of these credit funds because they're not used to having their revolvers completely drawn upon. I think the fundamental challenge that I've seen is, first, just working from home. We've got offices and people that sit down the hall, and we've got conference rooms, and we all collaborate together, and everybody being separated has just created a significant challenge in just how we obtain information and what can we do with the information since we're all on a laptop, we're all on some type of a home computer system. So I think that's the fundamental thing that's really different, and it just seems like a host of conference calls because we need to either involve two or three people or we have a Skype meeting or a Zoom meeting and just created just an extra layer of difficulties even in these challenging times. I think just from a company standpoint, I think everybody's focused on resetting their strategy. You know, what is my new strategy? Many times, unfortunately, it's, it's to survive, get from A to B, and unfortunately, nobody knows exactly how long B is. Is B three months down the road? Is it six months down the road? Or will it be longer? Unfortunately, we just don't know. So as we sit there and think about resetting our strategy, everybody's looking at reducing costs, reducing business activities, and a lot of them were simple, such as travel and entertainment. So a lot of those things naturally just went away. And then ultimately, I try to guide people away from thinking about the P&L in the short term and thinking more about the cash impact. Again, back to the theme of cash is king. How do I focus on cash and maybe ignore what's happening from the P&L perspective since quite honestly, it's one thing that we simply can't control. And then ultimately, once we figure out what our new strategy is and how we're going to be operating, how do we then communicate that to our stakeholders? And stakeholders would be our employees, maybe it's our landlords, it's our customers, it's our vendors, but the people we do business with. And the key thing is always to have a consistent message and make sure it's an honest message. 
so that everybody is getting the same information and that we've got credibility behind it, realizing that unfortunately during these times and not knowing exactly where this crisis may be, that message may continuously change. But I think people don't like surprises. People want to know what's happening. So I think, you know, having a communication plan written out, scripted, including all the employees so that everybody's giving a consistent message makes a lot of difference in how the businesses are treated today. That's good. I heard somebody say earlier in one of our podcasts that watch how companies respond. Watch how companies do things because this is going to impact views of corporations from this point forward. I like that. I'm curious to know, in light of the ways that people are responding, I'd like to discuss some of the outcomes that you're seeing. How can companies identify and respond to challenges during this time? How are you seeing them be able to do that? To me, the outcomes are always focused on being flexible. You know, unfortunately, that means we will be changing our minds and taking different approaches. And we think about leverage. So when I'm thinking about operating costs and severity of cash crisis, Mike mentioned drawing down on the revolvers. So I've drawn down on my revolvers. I think that's going to get me through three months, but does it get me through four months? And if not, what are those things I should be thinking about? So it's having a plan. Nobody wants to know that I have no idea where I'm heading or what I'm doing. So it's being able to articulate what that plan is, being able to lay out the different levers, how would I approach that, and knowing at least what my options are. So it's always dealing with optionality. The levers may be different for different companies. They'll be different for different situations, cash flows, et cetera. Some companies will have sufficient cash to get through the next year, and others are going to be struggling to get through the next month. I think the severity of the situation then dictates the options we're looking at. And the options are anything from working with vendors. Maybe it's not paying my landlords today, explaining to them, sending them my financial, sending them my cash flows, and saying, hey, could we add on months on the end of my lease? I can't pay you today, but could we extend the lease by six months at the back end? So I think it's having a plan as well, not just saying, I have no idea what we're going to do or how we're going to take care of this. I think the one thing I would add with respect to the uncertainty is certainly a a company might look at the situation and say, well, look, I've been growing year over year, month over month. My projections look great, and I've been achieving those growth plans the last, whatever, two, three, four years. And they may look at the industry that they play in, and they're not focused on anything traveled or hoteling or any of the big industries that obviously are going to get hurt big time, and, and especially in the short term with COVID-19. Basically, every company sells. And to Tom's point, kind of a new normal with respect to working from home, well, you can sell to existing customers over the phone, but it's hard to prospect and get out there for new leads and whatnot over the phone versus being out there in person. So I think with respect to the uncertainty of how long this potentially could last, companies that are even very well positioned a month ago really need to be a little bit more critical with respect to what could happen and maybe start running some downside scenarios and if if margins get impacted or revenue goes down 25, 30%, how does that affect covenant and liquidity and your current capital providers? So I think it's just really being critical, even if things seem great, depending on how long this lasts and the ramifications, everything you're seeing with the stock market and, and different industries, it really could affect and sneak up and frankly bite some businesses that think they're um, in the clear here given where they play. We always like to ask Tom and Mike if there are any tips you'd like to give to our listeners. For example, are there issues that might need to be anticipated or questions they should be asking during this time? 
Yeah, I think, and Tom hit on it a little bit. To me, it's all about communication, everything from kind of that junior staff person that's sitting at home and, and maybe they're not on the phone calls. I think most of us are on phone calls nonstop and we lose track of the people on our team. So I think it's communicating to everyone with respect to who you work with and just making sure they're integrated in this new normal working from home. But I think also just being proactive with conversations with capital providers and if you think there may be an issue, certainly smaller companies, there are different opportunities with the CARES Act and different loan opportunities that you might be able to take advantage of. But I think given that we're all sitting in our homes, communication is going to be important no matter what aspect of business you're looking at, either with respect to people that work for you or different types of vendors or customers or suppliers or capital providers. You just really need to focus, you know, I believe on that communication and keeping that open dialogue going. I think the three things that we focus on is time, the people, and the management team. And then ultimately centers around the cash is king concept. So thinking about the downside, trying not to be overly optimistic or thinking, oh, well, we're probably only going to have a 10% reduction this month and maybe it's 20% next month. That's generally where we see companies run into issues is they're overly optimistic. So making sure that we're really thinking about the downside cases, thinking about contingency planning, thinking about where's my next source of funding come if I've already drawn my revolvers or some other funding options I've got. But just thinking through all of the unfortunate, the worst case scenarios, and if things are better, terrific. You're going to be well set for the future. Things will be great. I think the other thing that seems to be changing daily is uh, what's coming out from the federal government as far as the stimulus and tax plans and some of the different things to take advantage of. And you know, obviously, podcasts are a great way to, to gain a whole lot of information from these gigantic stimulus bills that are coming out. But staying on top of those, there's lots of things that can help companies, lots of free money deferrals and credits from the payroll tech side, and then the SBA loan program, and then the new stimulus package that will be coming out shortly. So hopefully with some of that liquidity, uh, everybody will make it through these uncertain times, and hopefully we'll come out of this quicker than I expected. As we close out, I'm curious, what should our listeners be considering for the future? There will be low probability, high impact events. There are going to be most likely disease outbreaks or severe weather events in the future. Are there any final thoughts you'd like to share on how organizations can be proactive about creating readiness and resilience for the future? Obviously, we've learned a lot. We've learned a lot over the last three, four, five weeks of how to respond, how to work remotely, how to react. There's no better preparation, unfortunately, than going through this. So we have future events or even just individual disruptions at our companies. History seems to be a good lesson of things that we learned and things that we wish we would have done better. So there's, I think, just lots of teaching moments we're unfortunately experiencing today that will help all companies survive and, and get through crises in the future. I think maybe what I'll add is taking it a different direction and maybe off working path. And to me, too, it's like, look, this is obviously unprecedented at times. No one's really worked from home because they kind of had to under these quarantines. And a lot of us have kids or certainly families that are going through the same thing. So I'm kind of almost looking at it as I certainly wouldn't say a good thing, but it is maybe nice is the word with respect to you know, being home, you know, seeing your family, seeing your kids, folks that maybe have kids at college, they're now back or you know, just starting off in the workforce, they're kind of back home. So it's not going to, well, hopefully it's not going to last forever. In a way, try to make the best of it. And like I said, kind of enjoy those relationships and kind of maybe reconnecting with family members just because we're all in these tight uh, quarters together, which we weren't really expecting. 
Because, I mean, look, the work side of it and the economy side of it, I feel confident that we're all going to come out of it. So you might as well maybe enjoy these times because in six months from now when we're all working hard at the office, you might miss some of these times where you can uh, go have lunch or dinner with your family or whatnot. My point is just try to put a little bit more of a positive spin on it and take some good out of it as well. Mike and Tom, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for providing our listeners with insight, not just on the work side, the economy side, but the relational side of what it is that we're going through. I appreciate that. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. We'll look forward to bringing you other insights from our KPMG advisors in the next edition of What Now? What Next? And in the meantime, you can check out the other podcasts in our series at visit.kpmg.us slash COVID-19. Thank you.